What's going on, people? It's y'all like Alechi back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are washing your hands. I hope you're wearing masks. I hope you're staying away from people. I hope you're taking all the precautions that you need to be taking during these coronavirus times. Because yes, this is still real and it's still going on and we need to take the precautions that we know we ought to take. But anyway, I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope you and your loved ones are having a wonderful week so far. Thank God we made it to October. We're in a whole new week in October. The first week of October is almost over. Some people are probably excited for that. Some people are not so happy about that. But either way, we are here. And we just got to enjoy it. We just got to enjoy the moment. But anyway, in this podcast, as you guys know, every Tuesday and Thursday, I released a brand new podcast. On Tuesdays, we talk about a financial topic. On Thursdays, we talk about the business world. So we can both be learning about what is going on in the world around us. So we know how it affects our dollars. And there's a lot that we got to get into. We got the fact that jobs are not looking that great. We got a stimulus package, whether it's going to come, whether it's not going to come. We got the fact that we might just be seeing a major shift in an industry that affects each and every single one of us and it's for us to keep paying attention to. And then, of course, we have big tech, news with big tech and something that might be very massive. And But anyway, we start with this. As you guys know, I try to pose a question to you every single week that we will answer at the end of the podcast. In this episode, the question of the week is, what is the meaning of fear use? What is the meaning of fair use? We'll talk about it more and you'll see why this was the question of the day at the end of the podcast. But we start with this. We had some awesome news when it came to unemployment, when we came to the report from the Jobs Bureau, the Bureau of Statistics, the Bureau of Jobs Statistics. They came out and they announced that unemployment rate fell from 8.4% to 7.9% which sent everybody celebrating because when you read the headlines, which is what most of us do anyway, when we read the headlines and we see 8.4% to 7.9%, we're doing good. We're doing very, very good. However, there was an asterisk. You know when when you're on a website and you're filling out all the documentation and everything, and then there's like, you see a good thing, but then they put like an asterisk next to it, and then you have to go down to the fine print and read the fine print of the information of actually what that means well they put an asterisk next to that big 7.9 percent and so when you start reading into it you see that in september we only added 661,000 jobs now some of y'all might be saying yo that's a lot of jobs what do you mean only added 661,000 jobs now when you compare it to the previous months when we look back in may june july april and august We've been adding over 1 million jobs each and every single month. We have been adding over a million jobs every single month. So now to see that that number goes from 1 million all of a sudden to 661,000, that's a huge gap of 400,000 jobs that were not added, that were expected to be added and were definitely not added in September. 
I mean, September was just bad for everybody. It was bad for the stock market, bad for the labor market, bad for everything, really. It was just like, dang, it was just, it hit everybody hard. But either way, it just shows like the economic expansion or the economic recovery that everybody has been talking about, the V-shaped recovery that President Trump has been talking about, and a lot of Republicans have been talking about, and a lot of people in government have been talking about. It's not really happening. We're not really seeing a V-shaped recovery. Because after the lockdown, you have to remember, we had over 30 million people that went unemployed. And then even with all the jobs that have been added through the last few months, we still have 10.7 million fewer jobs, fewer people with jobs than before the pandemic started. So this is not good signs. This is not good signs of what has been happening. Also, this is also very important to put into context and to think about as well, is the fact that this 7.9% does not count an estimated 1.1 million people that have left the workforce basically because they have searched, they have stopped searching for jobs because they are totally discouraged and they've been unable to find a job. And so the labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics is not going to count those people that are no longer looking for a job, is not going to count them as unemployed, even though that's what they are. They are unemployed because they can't find a job. They gave up looking for a job and they're just hoping that something turns up down the line. They are unemployed, but the labor statistics is not going to count that. It counts them in a separate group. And so when we look at the unemployment rate, we all start celebrating to see that it's going down. And a lot of people are going to run with it. But when you start digging deeper into it and when you start looking past all the surface level stuff and start looking deeper into it, you're like, yo, this recovery that we thought is coming is not really coming like we expected it to come. And then even worse, at the current pace it will take us about 16 months before we can fill out all the jobs. In other words, it will take us the next two years before we can reach back to the levels, just, just to even touch the levels of employment that we were before the pandemic. So we got a lot that we need to do. We got a lot that, that needs to happen in order to help businesses to hire people back in, in order to help um help companies be able to keep on workers as well. But the good news is we're in November. A lot of times in November season, during the holiday season, a lot of companies will go ahead and hire on additional staffs. But then again, that's just gonna boost the numbers for just that holiday season. And then when we get back to a normal season, it's not gonna be have that boost anymore. So that's something to think about. And then on top of all of this, Disney just announced that it will be cutting 28,000 jobs. United and America has, American Airlines have just announced that they're going to be letting go of about 32,000 people. Goldman Sachs and all states have also announced that they will be letting go of about 2,000 to 4,000 people combined. The movie theater Regal Cinema is shutting down a bunch of its movie theaters, which means that it's going to release about 40,000 jobs. So when you put all of that together, that's over 115,000 jobs right there that is going to be accounted for when we start thinking about what does unemployment look like in November. It's going to look really, really bad. What does this all mean? It means that the effects of the coronavirus is a lot long, long lasting than expected. It means that lawmakers need to do something 
to help businesses, to help small businesses, to help individual during this pandemic. And what they have done, all that that they passed during the CARES Act, it's run out. All that aid that they passed during that first round of stimulus checks and everything, all of that stuff has run out. But here's the irony. The only reason that we were able to recover all those jobs that we recovered was because of those stimulus packages and the aids. So now that the government is trying to hold back and say, oh, we don't need another package, we don't need another stimulus bill, you have every economist and their mom coming out and screaming, yo, we need something else. We need more stimulus. We need more aid or else this economic this economic recovery is gonna stall out. And speaking of a new stimulus, that just looks dead in the water. And they brought all of our hopes, they raised all of our hopes higher and higher and higher with Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin coming out and saying that he's working with uh, Nancy Pelosi and they're coming together for a deal and they're coming together for a deal and they're coming together for a deal. And then Trump went full Trump on everybody. And he tweeted out, and I quote, I have instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after I win the election after the election when immediately after i win we will pass a major stimulus bill that focuses on hard-working americans and small businesses side note as if the hard-working americans and small businesses don't need it right now but you know whatever uh, i have asked mitch mcconnell not to delay but to instead focus full-time on approving my outstanding nominee to the United States Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett. <sighs> you can never like, when Trump goes full Trump, he goes full Trump. Like there's no, there's no mitigating it. There's no nothing. It's full Trump. I mean, when he tweeted this out yesterday or on Tuesday night, the stock market that was having a pretty good day just went like, it just like it hit a speed bump or something and it just went straight grand canyon style it just dipped it just went straight into the ground it was so, because there there have been a lot of hopes that hey we're gonna get another stimulus bill we're gonna get another sp- stimulus bill we're finally gonna get something else to help the economy out we're finally gonna do something and then trump is just like nah forget all that tweet storm he's like yo i'm locked up in my room i'm having to quarantine what can i do right now it's like anybody who's been sick and they're like, ah, oh, man, I'm bored. I'm at home. What do I do? You know what? Let me go trolling on the internet. That's basically what he did. He just like, he just tweeted this out. And everybody was like, what is wrong with this man? Like, people were tripping out. They were like, what is going on? Especially, he tweeted this hours after Jerome Powell. If you don't know who Jerome Powell is, he is the Federal Reserve Chairman. Came out and said that the U.S. economy is in for a long time long haul and i quote this is exactly what he said he says longer than expected slung back to full recovery and there's a little risk of overdoing economic support he said in papa powell's words in order to make this a little bit more complicated his words were even if policy actions ultimately prove to be greater greater than needed they will not go to waste the bottom line is once again it feels like the common people is being used as ransom for personal gain. Waiting until Trump has to win the election does not do any good for a lot of people. 
Right now, schools are running out of funding to be able to help their students. Small businesses are having to close their doors for even longer periods of time. And actually, as a matter of fact, a lot of businesses are just announcing bankruptcies. Airlines are in straight up zombie mode right now. They are losing billions and billions of dollars in order to keep people hired that are not really working right now. And so the fact that we're going to have to wait until after he gets elected, stop. If nothing else shows you how much this president is all about personal gain, I don't know what does. I I just, I don't know. Because this just feels very much like a personal thing. And I just, I don't know, man. It just, like, yo, why would you ruin a negotiations? Like, why would you do that? Like, I don't. It just blows my mind. And the other problem is the election might end up taking weeks before we find a winner, before we hear about a winner. So are we going to wait till 2021? But then again, this is just like I said at the beginning of this year when everybody was expecting a second stimulus bill or expecting a second stimulus package. And I told y'all, Congress and the House, all of them are just going to keep blaming each other and keep pointing the thing, kicking the ball into the other player's court and blaming each other and saying, hey, it's their fault that we haven't done anything. No, it's their fault because we are in an election year. And so if they choose not to do anything, as long as they can blame the other people, they're going to be fine is basically what they're saying. They don't really care as long as they can keep blaming somebody else. And it's just it's unfortunate, man. It's. It's just really, really unfortunate that this is the, the, the place that we are in as a nation right now. Anyway, moving on from there, it feels like we're seeing an evolution take place right before our very eyes. And I'm, what I'm talking about is I think there's an evolution that's taking place when it comes to oil and gas industry. With travel at a historic lows, oil and gas prices have been absolutely decimated to historic lows at one point it was so bad that they were actually paying people to take oil in other words the price of oil was so cheap that or was actually in a negative where they would pay you to come and take the oil from them that's how bad it got at one point during this summer and this also reflects in the number of jobs that have been lost due to the price the price gouge that has been going on in the oil industry about 107,000 jobs have been lost so far and more could probably and more are probably going to be lost if the price continues to depreciate and fall down this is hurting states like texas nevada or specifically oil drilling states that have made most of their money from oil however there is a little bit of hope if prices return to around 45 dollars per barrel then 30% of that 107 jobs that were lost will return by next year, according to a report by Deloitte. Which you might say, yo, that's not the whole thing. That's not that great. Only 30% of 107. What happens to all the other 70,000 jobs that's not going to report? But here's the alternative. The alternative is only 3% will come back if oil, if oil prices remain at about $35 per barrel. So pick your lesser of two evils. So, you know, there's not really much... To, to go off of on there is like you kind of do what you got to do and you bring back as many jobs as you can but to me this shows a massive shift in industry how we are moving forcibly unfortunately for trump and some of the things that he's been trying to push for but forcibly being moved away from fossil fuels into other kind of fuel sources think about this during this period of time exxon which is the largest oil company in the world by market cap 
was just passed in market valuation by Next Era, which is an energy renewable energy company. If that tells you anything, that just shows where the money is flowing out of and where the money is flowing into. It shows you what industries people are pushing towards moving on into the future. Also, we can see this shift in, in the automobile industry as well, with Tesla being more valuable than any other car manufacturer. The point is we are witnessing history right before our eyes. We have to prepare ourselves for it. No matter how much we may not like the change, change is always going to come and change is inevitable, much like Thanos. Change will forever come. So we just have to prepare ourselves for it, get used to the idea of it. We can't run away from it. We have to embrace it. And this is just a side note for every single person out here. In your life, one of the things that is very important is to embrace change as it comes. Because guess what? Change comes with life. And if we find ways to embrace the change and flow with the change and make the change actually work for our benefits rather than to our detriments, then we grow and we are better off for it. So find ways in your life, whenever things are changing, find a way to spin that to work out to your benefit rather to your detriment. But anyway, moving on from there. Remember earlier this year, we were talking and late last year, we've been talking about how everybody wanted to break up big tech and everybody wanted big tech to, to be separated. Well, the discussions have returned. The House Democrats just passed a 450 page document stating how big tech, namely Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple enjoy a monopolistic environment. Microsoft over there like, whoo, yo, we dodged that bullet. <laughs> We already had our saying in 2000, the year 2000, so whew, Lord have mercy, we ain't got to deal with this anymore. But basically, remember the antitrust hearing that we had back in May? Well, well, that was just the icing, and this is the actual cake. And tell, I'm telling you something, this is a massive take that big tech does not want to swallow. Here's basically what they said about each company and what they've done and why they deserve to be broken apart. Amazon. The internet retail giant achieved its dominant position in part through acquiring competitors, has a monopoly over and mistreats third-party sellers, and has created a conflict of interest through its, do its double role as an operator of its marketplace and also as a seller on there. Apple. The report says Apple exerts monopolistic power over software distribution to more than half the mobile devices in the United States, accusing it of exploiting rivals with commissions and fees and copying apps and giving preference to its own apps and services, obviously. Next, Facebook. The social media network has monopoly power in the social networking space and has a copy of copy, acquire, and kill pattern for would-be rivals such as WhatsApp and Instagram, both of which it bought in the early 2010s. Google. The search engine has a monopoly in the general online search and search advertising markets. According to the report, maintaining its position through anti-competitive tactics such as underwhelming vertical search providers and acquiring rivals. In summary, this is a 450 page document I just summarized from here. You're welcome. Even though I didn't really read it, I just read articles about it. But moving on from there. In summary, the report says, and I quote, companies that once were scrappy underdog startups 
that challenged the status quo have become the kinds of monopolies we last saw in the era of oil barons and railroad tycoons. Now, if y'all don't know, some of the richest men in all of the world, like literally richer than any other people that we know today, whether it's uh, Elon Musk or uh, Jeff Bezos or uh, Mark Zuckerberg or whoever, name them, these dudes like Rockefeller, like um, JP Morgan, like these dudes were really rich, like actually rich, rich, not just Jeff Bezos rich. They were much richer than Jeff Bezos because they controlled both the oil, like one person controlled the entire oil industry. One person controlled the entire railroad industry. It was crazy. One person controlled the entire banking industry. It was crazy until Theodore Roosevelt came in and was like, yo, 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 yo. This is ridiculous. You can't just be controlling. And then the other thing that happened was government were playing buddy-buddy with them as well. That's why they could have that control and they could do whatever they wanted. Then Theodore Roosevelt came into office and was like, nah, 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 nah. Enough of this. Enough of this. We're putting a stop to it. So that's what they're referring to in the article. But anyway, I carry on in the quotes of what you can pull out of the document. They said, these firms have too much power and that power must be reined in and subject to appropriate oversight and enforcement. So what does this all mean for your favorite tech companies? We don't know yet. <laughs> so even with all of this being passed and all of this being read and all this stuff, does this mean that big tech is going to get broken up? We don't know because what can happen is Congress is going to go on recess and then we won't hear anything from them until after the elections. So we don't really know what this all means. But either way, you know that Tim Cook, you know that Jeff Bezos, you know that Sundar Pichai, and you know that Mark Zuckerberg are not very happy right now. We're going to be seeing a whole lot more court cases coming on in the very near future. Oh, and before we leave big tech, remember that Apple versus Epic uh, court case that has been going on well that looks like a jv game compared to the big court case going on between google and oracle two powerhouses in the tech sphere and this case has been going on for over like 10 years now I i'm not joking it was first filed back in 2010 the whole premise of the case is that google used a java api as a key part when it was building android interface and oracle which now owns java wants google to pay for the use of that software for to pay for the use of that api to the tune of about nine billion of dollars but here's the thing though api is very different apis are very commonly used by different developers especially startup developers who don't have the time to be able to build up their own apis and to be able to build up their own base for any software Typically, an API use falls under fair use, which brings us back to the question of the day. What is fair use? Fair use is a doctrine in the law of the United States that permits limited use of copyrighted material without having to first acquire permission from the copyright holder. So this is a very big deal. If Oracle wins this case, it's going to be a massive, massive deal for a lot of developers, for a lot of the ways that we use a lot of things. Like even on, for me, when I create a lot of YouTube videos, I use a lot of clips from different movies and I use a lot of GIFs from different things because of that fair use clause where 
I don't need to get permission if I'm using it in the right way. If I'm actually using it in the right ways, why we can have reaction videos on YouTube and those kind of things. So if that goes away, Pandora's box is going to be opened up, not just for Google, who's going to have to pay $9 billion, but for every small developer that's creating an app of some sort that might now have to pay all this amount of dollars to all these larger corporations, which will kill a lot of small startup businesses. See, I told y'all we'll, we'll go back to, there's a reason why I asked y'all that question at the beginning of that. I know y'all like that stuff, but anyway, that's basically all I got for y'all in this episode. Looking ahead, it's earning seasons. We just finished the third quarter of the year. So we're going into a massive earning seasons. As you know, earning season, not seasons. As you guys know, I'm going to be breaking down a lot of the companies that I think are very interesting to break down and to listen to and to see just how they did during that third third quarter after a lot of the slowdowns started taking effect. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Also, Prime Day is next week. So prepare your wallets. And also Apple is announcing new iPhone. So again, prepare your wallets. But that's all I got for y'all. For some reason, it feels like every other month we've talked about something with Apple. Apple has just kept our their names in our mouths this entire year. They really know what they're doing, man. They, they know what they're doing. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. Just let's go through a quick rundown and everything that we talked about. First, we talked about the economic growth or lack thereof because we said even though the unemployment dropped to 7.9% from 8.4%, that is not telling the whole story. There's about 1.1 million people that wasn't accounted for because they just stopped looking for a job. And then we talked about Trump going full Trump and basically blocking a possibility of house having another stimulus package. And we'll see where that plays out. Then we talked about how we're having a shift in industries where oil companies are starting to lose their valuation. And we're starting to see a lot of renewables taking over. Change is inevitable, just like Thanos. And then finally, we just talked about big tech and the possibility that big tech might be getting broken up. Who knows, really? But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. It's been your boy, Kalichi. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And remember, generosity is always greater than greed. Peace.